0: podcast is one of several short videos to acquaint federal judges with this term Supreme Court holdings. With me are Dean Erwin Chimorinsky of the UC Berkeley School of Law and Professor Evan Lee of UC Hastings Law. Let's start with the DACA cases. I want to first mention that Irwin was involved as counsel early on in one of the many cases that were ultimately rolled into the cases that came before the Supreme Court. So Erwin, can you explain the facts of the cases and the main issues?
1: Sure, thank you. President Obama created the Deferred Action for Child Arrival Program, DACA. It applies to individuals who are younger than 15 when they're brought to the United States. To be eligible, an individual has to be in school or successfully graduated, or in the military or honorably discharged. The individual can't have a felony conviction or a serious misdemeanor conviction. If a person qualifies, it means that he or she would have deferred deportation status for two years. And with that, it would also come the ability to get things like work permits. President Trump rescinded the DACA program and many lawsuits were brought challenging it. As you said, these lawsuits were rolled together before the Supreme Court. And there were really three issues before the Supreme Court. First, was the decision of the Department of Homeland Security to rescind DACA reviewable? If so, second, did this decision violate the Administrative Procedures Act Third, did the complaint state a claim for violation of equal protection? Okay. Well, Evan, the reviewability
0: issue hinged on whether DACA is more a general non enforcement policy. Why does that matter?
2: Well, under Heckler versus Cheney, generally, um, agency decisions not to bring or institute enforcement proceedings are not judicially reviewable. Um, but the court here said that. DACA doesn't just involve deferred prosecution, that's probably the most uh, famous part of it, but the court also pointed out that um, it uh, provides for work authorizations, it also provides for a certain affirmative benefits, and therefore Heckler versus Cheney uh, did not apply.
0: So the court states that some Im- immigrants have developed a reliance on DACA. Erwin, um, why does that matter?
1: We are talking about over 700,000 individuals who are in the United States. The reliance is particularly important for Chief Justice Roberts' majority opinion. He said the Department of Homeland Security in its decision to rescind DACA didn't take that reliance interest into account and it should have done so in coming up with a reasoned, articulated justification for its decision.
0: So Erwin, what's the court asking DHS
1: to do with the decision? It's important to note that the court was clear that President Trump and the Department of Homeland Security can rescind DACA, but they have to give an articulated, reasoned decision. Well, this includes doing such things as considering the reliance interest that we were just talking about. Also, he said it's important to separate the consideration of rescinding the deferred deportation status from rescinding the work permits. And perhaps one could achieve the government's goal without both. Okay,
0: so the court, I think, broadened the application of the post hoc rationalization doctrine that, of course, controls the judicial review of agencies' decisions. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yes. What Chief Justice Roberts said is that in order to not be arbitrary and capricious, there has to be an articulated, legitimate reason for the government's action. The focus on what the government says at the time of its action, a subsequent explanation by the government has occurred here, isn't to be considered when deciding whether an initial decision was sufficient to meet the requirements of the Administrative Procedures Act.
0: Yeah. So what are the implications for the district court review of agency decisions?
1: I don't think this significantly changes the law with regard to that. I think the standard ultimately is still... Is it an arbitrary, capricious decision? Is there an articulated, legitimate reason? I do think there was perhaps a more exacting examination of what the government did than we often see for agency decisions, but I don't think the legal standard is any different.
0: Okay. Well, Evan, um, what do you think the issues are going to be before the district courts?
2: Well, I think the district courts are already beginning to see the issues, uh, Um, and that is... uh, Under this decision, uh, DHS is required to return to the status quo ante, that is, um, to continue accepting DACA applications, to consider processing DACA applications on a timely basis, Um, and um, there have been allegations that DHS has not. Um, always been doing that since this decision was handed down. So I think we are already beginning to see that there are lawsuits uh, perhaps uh, asking for mandamus or injunctive relief uh, requiring DHS to return to the status quo ante.
0: Another case this term cont- concerns the habeas and due process rights of immigrants. Evan, what happened in Department of Homeland Security versus...
2: Um, This was a case where um, uh, Thoracicum uh, was a uh, Sri Lankan national, and uh, one night in uh, 2017, he crossed the southern border of the United States, uh, not at a port of entry, um, and was apprehended um, roughly 25 yards uh, onto American soil. Uh, he was unrepresented at this point. He was uh, designated for expedited removal, and he claimed uh, asylum. Uh, and so the burden was on him to establish that he had a credible fear of being persecuted uh, if he were returned to his country of origin. Um, after uh, interviewing him in a less than searching way, or at least that was the allegation, he um, DHS officials, including an immigration judge, determined uh, that he did not have that credible fear and so, again, uh, marked him for expedited removal. Uh, Thorascom then obtained representation, and uh, the lawyer uh, filed suit in federal district court uh, praying for federal habeas corpus and or uh, injunctive relief. Uh, based on uh, the suspension clause. The argument was that the suspension clause uh, in- invalidates um, the expedited removal process.
1: Okay, so Erwin, what did the court decide? The Supreme Court ruled against him. Justice Salito wrote for the court, this involves a federal statute that says that non-citizens who are designated for expedited removal cannot have access to the writ of habeas corpus. The Supreme Court said that habeas corpus has to be understood based on what was intended in 1789. And the court said to deny habeas to those designated for exit removal isn't the suspension of the writ of habeas corpus. The court very much narrowed the reach of the suspension clause and the court rejected the due process argument as well. So at least when it comes to non-citizens who are briefly in the United States, designated for expedited removal, the denial of habeas corpus is constitutional.
0: Okay, so Evan, what do the district courts need to know about this case?
2: Uh, Well, let's start with the knowns. Um, It is clear from this case that Congress has very, very wide latitude uh, to place uh, restrictions on the availability of federal habeas corpus in the immigration context. Um, it is also at least moderately clear from this opinion that uh, the Bumidian case uh, from a number of years back uh, has been limited to its facts. Uh, I, I don't know that we know that a hundred percent, but certainly this opinion seems to indicate that. Turning to the unknowns, I think the by far the most intriguing aspect of this case going forward is... What Irwin mentioned, the due process argument in this case. The court here uh, made it very clear that uh, Thurassigam's due process uh, rights had not attached merely because he was 25 yards into the country. The court said he was merely at the threshold of the United States. He wasn't really in the United States. But it's not very hard to imagine a case where somebody has been in the United States for a year, year and a half, and then they return to their country of origin briefly uh, to tend to an ill parent or an ill sibling, and then they come back to the United States and they get apprehended and marked for expedited removal. In that case, um, you would think that the the factual context might dictate a different result in terms of whether due process rights have attached.
0: Thank you. And thank you both for talking with me today. And as always, your insights are very helpful.